Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I've got Brian on the phone with me, and on today's episode we're going to be talking about the 2022 horror film Fresh, directed by Mimi Cave, written by Lauren Kahn, and starring Daisy Edgar-Jones and Sebastian Stan. In this film, a woman starts dating a man who has a peculiar taste that doesn't bode well for her longevity. Uh, If you're new to the show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion up front. We'll just go over the background of the film, then we'll take a quick break and dive into the plot. Um, Brian, I don't want to spoil the film here, but is it safe to say that it includes cannibalism, or do you feel like that's getting too far into it. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people know that about the movie already, unfortunately. So yeah. I don't think it's too... I think it's kind of like hinted at in some of the advertising. So Okay, cool. And I think I think your, uh, your funny little des- description there gave it away. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess you could read into that one. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way, this was a request before we go too far. This was a request from a listener named Jenna. So thanks, Jenna. This was kind of on my radar because people on the server were talking about it a lot, and then Jenna sealed the deal. That's awesome. Yeah, great, great. Uh, th- thanks for the suggestion. It, I, I did see it on a list last week, too. I think someone wrote up uh, like top horror films of 2022 so far, and this was towards the top, so I, I do feel like it's making a buzz pretty well. Nice, yeah. it is. B- buzz has been building, that's for sure. Yep. Uh, wanted to ask you, um, have you noticed that we've been covering a number of uh, movies about eating people in like the last few months? It is starting to feel that way, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like Sons of the Lambs, uh, Night of the Living Dead, uh, Raw. So this is like four, I feel like, within like two or three months. Um, are you feeling like curious at all or interested? <laughs> Hungry? Yeah. <laughs> no, like I am not at all interested in eating human flesh. There's somebody on our Discord server who shall not be mentioned who has seemed to hint at that desire. Oh yeah. Well, I don't like how many more of these films would you have to see before like the needle would move up like just a tad bit for you, like from extremely not interested to somewhat not interested. I mean, I guess I'm curious about what it would taste like, but zero interest in actually trying it if given the opportunity. Okay, got it. Uh, where are you at? Where's your needle at? <laughs> I feel like it's creeping up just a, a little bit. And I feel like I'm maybe two films away from maybe getting to like somewhat okay. Because I was thinking about the environmental aspects. And, you know, everyone always gets on meat eaters because like uh, harvesting and growing animals are so bad for the environment, right? Yeah, that's true. Whereas killing and eating humans might actually be good for the environment in a way. Because uh, humans do have a larger carbon footprint than other animals, right? Yeah, we should just raise certain humans for meat, I suppose. I, I can think of a few. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it just it just seems like a, a trending uh, topic these days, or just in a lot of these films that we're seeing. It's it's almost like kind of normalizing it in a way, just seeing so many films about it. Wasn't there some... I feel like we read something in high school that was some sort of satire about eating babies. Oh, man. Oh, that sounds dark. I, yeah, it was from like the 18th century or something. God, I want to say what it's. I want to say indecent proposal. I know that's not the title, but it's something to that effect. I can't think of it. It was that Demi Moore movie. A modest proposal, maybe. Hmm, that sounds uh, pretty modest. Somebody with literary chops is screaming at me, but yeah. I can't think of it. 
Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's been around in our culture, that idea, for a long time. Right. Uh, Joking about it as we are, people. We, we're not ac- actually serious. At least I hope Ashwin isn't actually serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm serious. But I, I'm curious. Like, I wonder what the case is. And to your point, yeah, I wonder what that flavor is that these movies uh, rave about. But yeah, probably never going to uh, actually pull a trigger on that one. <laughs> um, okay. Maybe I, we were going to plan to get together for our fourth anniversary episode, but we might have to postpone <laughs> that, everybody. Just, just don't be surprised if I've got like some really sharp utensils on on hand. I like to travel with those. Uh, <laughs> just, just standard right. suitcase for all your fish hunting. Exactly, exactly. Um, so this is Mimi Cave's first film. Are you familiar with her at all, or uh, is she kind of like a new person for you as well? No, she's new to me. It sounds like her background is mostly in music videos. She's got a few short films to her name, and this is her first feature. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for her. And uh, she paired up with Lauren Kahn, who I know is a screenwriter. What, did you recognize any other films that she's done? I, I couldn't find a filmography on her. No, I didn't. I don't think I had seen anything else from her. I'm not okay. sure how the two of them got uh, got hooked up. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. Um, but really, I, I think Lauren uh, is a big horror movie fan, and she was trying to make a movie that would appeal to the masses. So, interesting approach here. I, I think some other big names behind the production here are Adam McKay um, and Kevin Messick. You know Adam McKay, right? Yeah, I'm familiar with him, and he was partnered up with Will Ferrell a few years back. Right, yeah, they did so much stuff together. Um, yeah. I, I want to say, is he also the one that did Succession? I think he is. Okay, He's got yeah. a lot of stuff to his name. Yeah, that's insane, man. What a, what a career. Yeah, um, and actually, you know what? I believe... If I'm not mistaken, I believe Lauren Kahn was his assistant. Uh, she was credited as his assistant on some IMDb stuff, like on Eastbound and Down and Step Brothers, oh, like about okay, a decade okay. ago. And I think she wrote a Netflix film in 2018 called Ibiza, starring Jillian Jacobs. Oh, cool. Okay. Got it. So they've worked together before. Uh, yeah, her and Adam McKay have, yes. Cool, cool. All right. Uh, yeah, and then uh, about a $15, 20000000 million budget behind it. Um, and then it was released on Hulu, so I don't think any box office here. Um, what about the actors and actresses? Anyone you recognize there? You know, Sebastian Stan looked vaguely familiar, and I didn't realize that he's Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier, in yeah, the Marvel think, Cinematic Universe. I think that's like his biggest role, right? Yeah, yeah. He's got a few other notable films in the past five to ten years. But yeah, I think that's probably where most people would recognize him from. He also plays well, Tommy Lee in a Netflix miniseries called Pam and Tommy, about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Yeah, that's what I organized them from. Have you have you seen that show yet? I haven't, but he kind of looks like Tommy Lee. I, I could see that. Yeah, he does an incredible job as Tommy Lee, and uh, that show is like, definitely worth watching. It's like a lot of great 90s nostalgia and a g- great story about how like the internet was forming and uh, yeah, the impact it had on that couple. Uh, oh, you, interesting. You cool. Check that out if you get a chance. Yeah, I might. Um, hey, did you ever watch the TV show Weeds by any chance? A little bit. My wife got into it, and I would sit in on a few episodes. Okay, there's an actor. It's like the brother of uh, the main actress who looks exactly like this guy. And when I was watching this movie, I, I, I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's totally him. But I, I don't think it is. But you, you don't know who I'm talking about, do you? I don't. But you get a lot of people confused, so I'm not putting much credence in this. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, that, that that might be kind of biased then. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you think Jillian Anderson starred in Candyman from 1992. Oh man, that was definitely one of her. Yeah, I'm, I'm not giving up on that one. 
Um, sure, sure. Oh, an- another person you should recognize, though, Andrea Bang has like a very uh, like a limited role in this film. You, re- you recognize her from Kim's Convenience? I totally did not recognize her. I- I'm very familiar with her face because I've watched a lot of Kim's Convenience, but I guess I never got like a great look at her face maybe or I don't yeah. know. Oh yeah, same. I mean, I've, I've like been binging that show, and I still didn't like recognize her in this one. I, I think you're right. I think they just like you don't really get a good look at her face. It's like really quick shots. Right, right. So on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, this one looks like it's doing fairly well. It's at eighty one percent, and as I mentioned, it was it's already been on some top of twenty twenty two lists. So I feel like the audiences and critics out there are generally positive on this one. What do, what do you think? Yeah, I haven't heard anybody say a bad thing about it yet. I mean, clearly somebody has because it's only got an 81, but which is still great. But I don't yeah. know anyone who's seen it and didn't care for it. Right. Yeah, that's good. Um, it seems to follow like this late trend of horror films uh, taking on some degree of like social commentary on uh, on like, I don't, yeah, I mean, I guess this one's more on like sexism and uh, being uh, like commodity issues and things like that. Um which I feel like more horror films are starting to do things like that these days. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure we'll discuss that in our review because I know some films are kind of being a little ham-fisted with that kind of stuff lately, and people yeah. have had their their beefs with that in the past, but uh, we'll talk about that in our review. Yeah, that sounds good. Excited to hear what you think of that. Um, any other background you want to go over? Um, not really. The premiere had a pre-screening reception featuring a table of food that included glass jars filled with raw meat, boxes of snacks shaped like body parts, and cleavers hanging on the wall. Oh, boy. <laughs> Fun fact. But uh, yeah. there's not too much else uh, to discuss background-wise on this one. You ready for an Ohio Connection? Let's do it. Okay, our Ohio Connection, as always, comes from our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. And Alex says, Fresh is a comedy thriller about a young woman who starts dating a charming man only to be kidnapped and held in captivity along with several other women. This premise mirrors the horrific true crime story of Ariel Castro's. Sometime between 2002 and 2004, Castro's kidnapped Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Gina DeJesus and held them captive in the basement of his home. The three girls were imprisoned until May 6, 2013, when Berry escaped with her six-year-old daughter, to whom she had given birth while in prison, and contacted police. Police rescued Knight and Jesus and arrested Castro within hours. This home was located at 2207 Seymour Avenue in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, man. Do you remember that uh, that coming out? I totally forgot about that case, but yeah, I do remember that. And it's so disturbing just right. to hear about it again and rem- be reminded of how long they were captive there. I know. I know. That's so fucked Six-year-old up. Six-year-old girl born in... Oh, God. Yeah. That's I know. heartbreaking. That's the- yeah, that was a crazy story to read. I feel like uh, it doesn't get remembered often enough that that, yeah. that happened there. Um, Wild. But shit, things like this happen, I guess. And yeah, I, sad, sad but true. I think the next movie we talk about is, is going to be equally dark territory. I know, man. We're really, I think we need to do something fun the next pick. We've really been <laughs> drudging through some heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, maybe we'll pick a comedy or something. Even though this one, I, I thought it had the genre tag of like some kind of like black comedy Horror. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, actually. Okay. I know production style, it definitely like has like has some flares to it that yes. make it a little tighter and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this isn't a, a drag of a movie at all, but uh, yep. just the subject matter and getting on Ariel Castro's gets a little 
gets a little yeah. gloomy. <laughs> it does. It really does. All Thanks, right. Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Uh, okay, well, do you want to jump into the plot, review the film, hit some spoilers? Let's do it. All right, cool. Uh, hey, you know, I, I just finished my taxes, though, today, so do you mind if I uh, go out and celebrate, uh, have a quick dinner, and come back when we wrap this up? Yeah, sure, go for it. All right, cool, thanks. I'll be right back. Cool. Hey, Brian, sorry about that. I'm back. Yeah, how was dinner? Oh, man, it was great. We checked out this new place. Uh, it was really good. But I got the bill at the end, and uh, like my meal came out to like $35,000, which is really weird. I, I, mean, I, I don't know why. I'm like, I ordered the cut of the day, but just probably not somewhere to go back. I don't, I don't know if I can afford that again. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty extreme. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Who knows what, what's going on back there? But, <laughs> Maybe, you know, it's just... Uh... That should be tax deductible since it's so good for the environment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you should get a tax credit for <laughs> saving the environment. It's like when you buy like an electric car or something, right? Or it gets exactly. solar panels. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Did man, you this... eat one or more humans this year? <laughs> There's a good horror movie in that concept, man. Like this whole idea of like killing people for like environmental reasons. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right. I'll send that to the EPA. Um <laughs> Cool. We'll get kicked off here. So this movie opens by introducing us to Noah, who is a young woman. She's about to go on a date with someone that she met on an app. She meets her date at this Chinese restaurant and the date goes terribly. The dude is like this really sexist asshole. Says like some really off color things. Is it off color or off color? Off color. Oh, I thought it was color. Okay. Says <laughs> uh, so some off color things. And then uh, afterwards, she's confiding in her friend Molly just about how painful this uh, dating process has been and how over she is. Uh, what did you think of this open establishment scene of uh, Noah as a character? I really liked it. I think she's really authentic and likable as a main character. And the mm-hmm. guy is like, he's over the top brutal as a, like a total tool, but um, relatable enough to some real life people that he you can actually go ahead and be angry at him. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I didn't feel like it was too much of a stretch. Like, I, I've heard, like, some horror stories about, like, first dates and, like, how people connect. So I, I kind of thought it was, like, pretty believable, like, uh, his, like, little kind of uh, assholeisms that he was putting out there. Yeah, sure, sure. We've had we've got some first date stories on our Discord server that would put this date to shame. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> That'd be fun to go through. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with you though. She's really relatable. Uh, and yeah, I, I, this is kind of a funny scene as well. Um, so a few days later, she's in this grocery store and she meets this guy named Steve. He flirts with her about cotton candy grapes, which have you ever tried these? No, I've I, not to bring up the discord server over and over again, but somebody <laughs> brought those up and I'd never heard of them. And the people who are into them are like real passionate about them. Yeah, I've been hearing about them for years. They're supposed to be like life-changing fruits. I've it's never a, found any. Yeah, where do you find it? It's it's like a it's like a myth or something. Yeah, it doesn't I don't exist. Know. But anyway, this guy has it and he uses it to his advantage to uh, trick her, like to flirt with her, and uh, she ends up giving him her number. They meet up for a date and things hit it off pretty well. They reveal some things about each other. He's a doctor. She, I don't think. Well, she doesn't have a family, or she does have a family, um, some family thing. Yeah, then, I think her family's mostly out of the picture. 
or deceased. Got it. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think on that first date, they kind of hook up uh, back at her place and uh, things just kind of like speed up. It, like they have like two or three dates really quick where he just keeps coming over and they're obviously like really, she's like really smitten with him, I guess. Uh, what would you think of like this buildup of uh, the relationship and their chemistry? I like it a lot. I feel like it's just a really good modern romantic comedy so far. Mm-hmm. She's likable. He's likable. It's kind of a cute, funny thing. Their awkward jokes at the grocery store are funny. She makes mm-hmm. a joke about the mist coming down on the fruits and veggies and says it's a mystery, which is really <laughs> pathetic. But uh, yeah. it's fun. It's charming. It is. It's really good writing. And uh, yeah, hearing them kind of like just banter each other, is, it feels very realistic and entertaining. Agreed. Agreed. I really like the score so far, too. Oh, yeah. All the music so far is really good. Yeah, and that's by a guy named Alex Summers. He's scored right. some films, but he's more prolific as a record producer, and he's worked with, like, Sigur Rose and Bob Dylan and many others. Oh, cool. That's awesome. As a yeah. producer? Yep. Okay, neat. Um, did you notice in the grocery store scene here, um, just, like, the way... Like, yeah, I, I guess... I, I think there's something going on because before she goes to the grocery store, she's on her phone swiping through profiles and some guy like sends her a dick pic so she's disgusted. She goes to the grocery store and like this cashier gives her like this fake smile. There's like an older man and woman who are just kind of knocked out. You're seeing like rolls of produce. Did you get a sense of like they were setting up like a something around like uh, things being commoditized or just like society, some kind of fakeness or like an artificialness to the world here? Huh, I didn't pick up on that, but that's a good catch. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought maybe uh, they're trying to show something. There's a really good music video by uh, Radiohead for Fake Plastic Trees, and it takes place in a grocery store, and uh, it just kind of reminded me of like that feel of uh, just like being in a place where nothing is like human anymore, or like everything's artificial or like a commercial. But I couldn't tell if that was like the aesthetic they're going for here. I think that could very well be, and I think she's standing under a sign that says "fresh meat." Oh yeah, right there you go. That's a bit of so, foreshadowing. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> really is. They play uh, a Radiohead so you, song later too, don't they? They do, yeah. I think they do like a string version later. That's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, I think there's like this theme going on around uh, people being uh, like meat or commodities. Sure. Um, Steve invites her to go out of town to a surprise vacation and he won't tell her where. So he picks her up and decides like the traffic's bad so we're just going to go to my place tonight and we'll head out tomorrow. Um, so they go to his house, which is in this incredibly remote area and has no cell reception. I got the impression, like this was her first time there, right? Like she hadn't been there before. Yeah, correct. Do you find that surprising that you would go on an out of town vacation with someone like whose place you hadn't been to yet? I, yeah, maybe if you had never been to their place, that's true. But sometimes (laughs) you, you date somebody and things are going really well and you get all gung ho. And you're just like, let's get out of town together. Let's do it. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, uh, with the setup of the film and just, like, how um, down she is on the dating scene, uh, the quickness of, like, this relationship developing and how quick she is to trust him and go on this vacation with him, uh, with this guy who's, like, told her that he has, like, no social media or, like, any other um, contact, that, that kind of, like, made me a little suspicious. I couldn't tell if it's just because it's a horror movie and we're seeing that happen. Like, if it was just... A rom-com, would you think the same thing? But were you, like, having uh, warning signs going off in your head at all at this point? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm watching a horror movie, so I know something's up. Yeah, okay. But if it, if it was a rom-com, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's normal. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe I wouldn't think what... I would think, oh, they're moving fast, but 
yeah. I would expect things to blow up in her face in a different way. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's just that the, the conflict that we know is coming isn't a like great he one. He lives with his parents, and she also <laughs> has her friend. Uh, what's her friend's name? Is it Molly? Molly. Molly kind of is a a way for us to vent some steam because you can tell Molly is a little bit like, oh, okay, like I'm glad things are going well with this guy, but she's you can tell she's a bit hesitant about it all, about yeah. it moving so fast. Yeah, I feel like she's the voice of reason because yeah, even she's like, "How are you going out out of town with this guy already?" or something, and uh, she's like, even like calling it out that he's not on social media, like it's really suspicious. I didn't even so, think of that as being a red flag. Somebody not having socials. Um. Yeah. I. Can, I don't know. I guess uh, it makes sense. Yeah, like if you met someone today and like no LinkedIn, no Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um. Like, do you know anyone like that, or like, would you be a little suspicious? Um. I don't know. I probably wouldn't be. I I only have Twitter, which I'm never on, and Facebook, which, yeah, I'm never on either. Yeah. I, I mean, it's one thing to be on it, but... Uh, right, right. I almost yeah. feel like these days it's kind of like a, you kind of have to have like one of those identities, unfortunately, like out there. That's a shame. It is, yeah. Where's all the mystery now? How are you supposed to eat people? Right. You got to have these social profiles, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, they, they show up at his house. It's a really nice house. Um, she's like admiring the art. He pours her a drink, she drinks it, and then she passes out because uh, there was some drugs in the drink. And then the the title of the movie pops up. I, I really like this. I thought it was pretty funny because uh, he's like 20 minutes in and like suddenly like it says the movie and the credits kick in. What, what did yeah. you think? Yeah, that was cool. Title card and credits. It's 33 minutes. 33 minutes in. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Usually it's a point where you're just not expecting it anymore and then it's kind of a surprise. Yeah, that was cool. I didn't even realize we hadn't seen it yet and it... It's really a, a cool stylistic choice. Right, right. Like, now you're cool. in it. Yep, yeah, exactly. Like, shit's getting real. Right. Uh, so Steve chains Noah up in a room, and when she wakes up, he lets her know that he plans to sell her meat and will keep her alive as long as he can because, I guess, getting meat off of a human body that's alive uh, is better than uh, a person that's dead. It's so, better when it's fresh. Yeah, exactly. Noah is obviously freaking out with all of this and uh, finding out that this guy plans to sell her meat. But uh, Steve kind of has like this really relaxed and like explaining demeanor to him, uh, which is really interesting. At, at one point, Noah tries to escape, but Steve captures her and punishes her by putting her under and then cutting her ass off. Um, she's she wakes up. She's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm taking your ass." Is, is that what he's just? <laughs> he's very like matter of fact, nonchalant, and confident about what he's doing. Yeah, and it yeah. makes it like the movie simultaneously more disturbing, but also more playful and silly. Yeah, it does. Right? <laughs> he's a really likable guy for like being a mediator, like a human cannibal yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. We also find out there's another girl named Penny in the room next door uh, who's being held prisoner, and her and Noah kind of talk through the walls here and there to kind of just talk about their frustration. Um, there is a, I think we get a fun montage of him like prepping meat where he's like dancing around the kitchen, cutting up like a leg and packing it. And I like how he like packs it with like some belongings of the person. It kind of, um, yeah, so I guess like when people get that box and they open it, it's got like the meat in there and like it tells you a little bit about the person you're eating, which I thought was a funny touch. Yeah, it is very like artisanal and well-crafted. 
Yeah. Is it, is there like a food company out there that like you buy meat from and they'll send you like a picture of like the cow or something? Oh, I'm sure. I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I thought that was really good. There's a whole Portlandia skit about it. Right. Right. Yeah. That's where I remember that from. And this takes place in Portland, I think. Right. Oh yeah. You're right. Hmm. Interesting. So meanwhile, Noah's friend who we talked about, Molly, she's starting to get suspicious of Noah's disappearance. So uh, earlier in the film, Noah had sent her a bedtime photo of Steve. So she uses that and uh, has a bartender help her to figure out um, who this dude was and get like his credit card number. So she tracks down Steve on Facebook and finds out that his real identity is this guy named Brandon who has this family. Uh, like a wife and kids. So she goes and visits that family and the wife is completely shocked and like unbelieving when Molly tells her that her husband may have been involved in kidnapping Noah. But then Brendan comes home and we as the viewers see him as Steve and like we know it's the same guy, but he denies it. So Molly starts to leave, but as she's leaving, she calls Noah's cell phone and it rings in Brendan's pocket, which reveals that he is uh, the guy who kidnapped Noah. So before Molly can do anything, Stephen's wife knocks her unconscious from behind, and Stephen abducts Molly and takes her to the house where he's keeping Noah. Uh, were you surprised by this reveal that uh, the wife was complicit in this? I wasn't entirely surprised that the wife was complicit, but what really surprised me was they show her getting ready to take a shower and she's missing a leg. Yeah, what was your interpretation of that? I assumed he was a prior victim of hers. She was. She was. She was a prior victim of his, right? Yeah. Yep. He was carving right. her up for meat, and then they got married. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's kind. Of, yeah. Exactly. Pretty wild. That is wild. That is wild. But this comes at an interesting point in the movie because I think this is the point where Noah realizes that like she might have a chance of escape if she can convince Steve to like kind of fall in love with her and uh, get out of there. And now like yeah. that, we as a viewer, yeah, right. He brings her a magazine, and then like hidden in one of the pages, somebody has handwritten. If you're reading this, it means he likes you. Use it. Keep fighting. Yeah, right. Yep. And so um, his wife here is someone that, yeah, we assume was one of his captives at once, must have like uh, made him fall in love with her, and then is now uh, married. And like, do you think like it's a hostage situation or she seems pretty comfortable, right? She seems pretty comfortable. I think it was like a hostage situation and then uh, a bit of, oh, what do you call that when you've... Stockholm Syndrome, and then they fell in love, and now they're married, and she helps him now. There's an interesting scene where she's looking at a mirror and, like, playing with her face, and I couldn't tell what that was about. Hmm. Um, do you remember that one? I don't know. I just assumed it is, like, trying to, like, see if her wrinkles were showing or if her skin oh. was aging or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that could be it. Yeah, with the focus on human bodies and skin. That kind sure, of thing. yeah. All right, well, so Noah tries to appease Steve by taking an interest into the human meat-eating industry and market. Um, it works, and Steve kind of falls for it, takes the bait. He cooks her a meal one night and uh, kind of explains how he got into it, that he, he was into it as a kid and never knew there were people out there who might share the same interest. So now he's like this guy who prepares it for like the 1% of the 1%, these rich people who just want stuff that others can't get. And he kind of says, like, women taste better. Um, Noah eats it, but later throws up in her room. Um, the next night, Steve uh, goes to Noah again, and this time gives her a pink dress to wear. 
and they dine again. So it gets like a little bit more datey, I guess. Like you can tell he's kind of more into her and he's relaxing up with her and like uh, letting her off the handcuffs as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, this time she seduces him. They uh, dance. And when they go to have sex, Noah bites off his nuts. Uh, did Could you tell that's what she had bit off? I, I, I read that, but I, I wasn't clear when I watched it what she had actually bitten off. Oh, I, I knew there was some biting going on, but I, yeah, I didn't really know specifically what part down there got bitten. Yeah, which overlaps with another movie we're going about to about to discuss pretty soon, right? Oh wow, yeah, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, uh, Last House on the Left uh, has some similar vibes. Yep. Um, so she rescues her friend Molly as well as Penny, and the uh, the three of them have a battle with Steve in the house where. They're finally able to kind of uh, beat him over the head with a, a meat cleaver, I think. And they make it outside where Steve is still pursuing them. The three of them gang up on him and eventually get him on the ground and she puts a gun to him. And I think she says, give me a smile, because I, I think that's something he had said to her while she was chained up. Right. And, and so, again, we we talked about like the inherent sexism and in men saying that to women in the Night of the Living Dead episode where it was actually said not oh. as some sort of commentary, like not sarcastically. So it's oh. interesting to see this movie like to 50 Judy, years right? later. Uh, he says that to Judy? Yeah, yeah. Tom, what's his name? Was it Tom? The young guy? Yeah, says the young it to guy, Judy. right? Damn. Do you think uh, when they say it here, it's a nod to that or it's just a coincidence? Just a coincidence. Okay, I think yeah. it's just a, a thing that... Men said to women a lot, and then only in recent decades did we realize it's pretty sexist, and 1968, Night of the Living Dead had it in, just yeah. organically, because that's what people said, and yeah. you know, in this movie, it's it's commentary. All right, I'm going to make a note to stop saying that to my male peers. Give me a <laughs> <smile>. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so uh, pretty fitting ending, he smiles and, sh- and she shoots him, but then, so this part throws me off, Steve's wife shows up. And attacks Noah. Uh, but fortunately, Molly comes up and uh, beats uh, beats uh, Steve's wife up with a shovel. And she says, women like you are the problem. Uh, what would you take of this? I was surprised that his wife would come after, you know, seeing her husband's dead body uh, attack the, the women. But what do, what do you think the commentary there was? Yeah, I mean, she's all in on the, uh, the goal here. And, and if they get free, there's a chance that she's incriminated, too. Mm, okay, so it's like self-preservation at this point. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, I think she's just committed to the cause. Okay. <laughs> yeah, ardent supporter. The movie then ends with Molly and uh, Noah saying that they love each other, and Noah gets a text from the first dude in this film from the, that, that date that the movie opened up on asking if she's up. Um, which, yeah, kind of quirky ending. What did you think of the ending? Uh, I really liked it. I feel like it was, um, it's not a slow movie, but you're, it's kind of like contained and claustrophobic in Steve's house. So you're kind of mm-hmm. waiting for what's going to happen. And then I liked that it kind of went all out and Molly was there. And then um, the other character who we kept hearing through the wall, Penny, the whole time was there. They were all involved. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was sus- efficiently or sufficiently climactic. What did you think of it? 
Yeah, I agree. It was, it was some good battle scenes, uh, both in the kitchen and then like outside, like good kind of tension and who has the upper hand. And then seeing the three of them going at Steve uh, in the woods and like kind of I think they cut that between uh, them beating him up and scenes of like people eating flesh. So it was kind of a cool way to tie back to the theme of the film as well. Yeah. Um, I so, thought maybe yeah. it was a little on the nose when Molly said, I asked you for help, bitches, like you were the fucking problem. Yeah. Like, I feel like the movie is wearing its commentary on its sleeve the whole time, but that, like, it was really on the nose and made it, it kind of got shoved to the forefront more here at the ending. Mm-hmm. It didn't need to be said, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was obvious enough throughout the whole movie, it didn't need to be outright said. Yeah, uh, I just, I wonder um, that they did choose to say that what they're pointing the finger to uh, in this film or at. Um, So was that like a call out on women who enable men to act this way? Yeah, yeah. And I have, um, there was some good conversation on our server about it. So I'm going to quote some of our, our Discord people, if that's cool with you. Yeah, let's hear it. So Caress DeVille pretty much in response to what you're saying now. She said she thought the movie nailed it by giving the villain a wife because traffickers will often have a woman close to them who will make the victims feel safer. Oh, wow. And she mentioned that with misogyny, there's often women who are supporting it and upholding it because it can make them feel special, safe, in control, but in reality, they are still victim to it. Hmm. Wow, that's deep. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because... I don't know very much about the Jeffrey Epstein case, but at the end of this movie, I was like, oh, I should look into that. Like, this has some similar things, and Mm -hmm. I listened to this whole podcast series about it, but his wife, Glenn Maxwell, was very similar to this character. I mean, they weren't eating women, but they were sexually preying on women, and she she was there making girls, young girls, and their parents feel like, oh, okay, like it's safe, like she's there too, and that that's his wife, and meanwhile she's in on it. Um, yeah, right. So yeah, I think it is commentary on women who support and enable horrible behavior for men, and uh, yeah, I don't think it's totally uncommon to have to have women involved in it. Sure. Yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. It sounds familiar. Yeah, um, and also Epstein would like he would have his victims, but then he'd be like. You know, you could you could just like work for me and recruit other girls instead. So then they become like a cog in the wheel too, and uh, yeah, that's a whole whole different level because they're they're even more. You know, they're bringing people in, but they're also like victims as well. Um, right, right. Yeah. They're like yeah, a part of the scheme. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that, that's pretty shitty and complicated. Um, but. You know, hearing all that, though, it kind of makes me uh, appreciate that she does say that, because do you think if she hadn't said that line that, like, women, like, you had the problem, you know, I came to you for help, uh, people would have picked up on that or, like, we would be having this conversation? I think so, but, yeah, it's a good point. Some themes like that are very obvious to certain, certain, certain circles of people who are talking about those issues frequently and maybe more Mm -hmm. obvious to women. Um, but yeah, some, some dudes might need it spelled out for them. 
Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I, I just be hesitant to because uh, I think from her earlier portrayal in the movie, I, I, I kind of like feel for her like as someone who's like now under his captivity was obviously like abused by him in terms of like getting her leg cut off. And so uh, I don't know if I would have called her a villain earlier on, even though like, yeah, she did play a role in Molly's kidnapping, but you kind of feel for her because of like what she's probably been through. So here, like kind of her attacking and then being called out on that kind of drives the nail in the head that um, maybe she was like a bigger, I don't know, like was she a bigger actor in this scheme or was she like a puppet uh, or like was she just doing like what uh, she wanted him, what he wanted her to do? Yeah, man. I mean, I guess there's a spectrum. Like Caress said that the women are still victim to it. Like, yeah, she's a victim. She's missing part of her leg. But like now at this point, she's completely free out from under his thumb right? and married to him and like actively being the aggressor. But at the same time, yeah, it's hard to say. Like she's yeah. kind of brainwashed and, and hearing some of these young girl and this is different in the Epstein case because usually the women were not women, they were girls, they were, they were teenagers, um, so it's very different, and, they were, and Epstein was like a billionaire, the, the power dynamic was so mm-hmm. different, so it's way easier to call them victims, even right. though they were, you know, helping him perpetrate and helping him commit his crimes. Right. A lot right. easier to call them victims than it is to call um, Steve's wife a victim, but yeah, I, I don't know, maybe it's a bit of a spectrum, it's it's kind of hard to uh, even talk about. It's a it's a weird, yeah, weird situation. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a hard one. Um, but yeah, what, what do you think of the movie overall? I really liked it. I I thought the commentary and the kind of grisliness of it all, like her getting her like ass cut off and her like neighbor Penny in the like cell next to her being slowly like cut up and eaten it's really grim and grisly but the movie somehow manages to make the tone playful and silly without really making it less serious and and i don't know i think that like one of the biggest strengths of the movie too is noah like the way the character is written and performed it's kind mm-hmm. of the backbone. She's so likable and authentic that when you when shit gets really wacky, like the fact that the viewer cares about Noah totally grounds the film throughout like the honestly the pretty big tonal risks that it takes. Like mm-hmm. there's a coordinated dance number in the middle of the movie between her and Steve. Like that could there's, fail miserably. Like that's a big I, risk. There there're two actually, right? There's like one while they're dating and then there's one at like the final date scene. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I guess they're, like, dancing together, but, like, they're, like, dancing in unison looking at the camera almost yeah. in, yeah. in the, the later scene. Yeah, that's such a crazy one. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's, it's just, like, uh, it's a risky movie. It takes some tonal risks. Like, she's we're meant to make believe that she's sitting there having an extended conversation with him about eating human meat, and she's sitting there pretending to enjoy it. Um yeah, I feel like on paper this movie shouldn't work, but I think it really does. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything uh, you said there. I, I think there's one thing uh, that you said that I think is one of, uh, I thought, the weakness of the film and kind of ties back to the screenwriter. I think she was making a horror movie here, but didn't want it to be like overtly horror. And you're right, like there's all this like disturbing stuff happening on camera or like that is happening in the background. 
but uh, the movie doesn't really dive into it enough to like scare the viewer. Because yeah, tonally, I don't think this is meant to be like a a scary film so much, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's not terrifying. Yeah, and uh, even like gore wise, um, I mean, yeah, they cut off her ass. You see like a, a limb uh, on the table and stuff. But I, I don't know, like, uh, I, I feel like this movie is more kind of quirky and like like a really well-produced and great, like, kind of uh, rom-com gone wrong type of uh, feel. But uh, I thought given the subject matter of eating people and someone who is, like, capturing uh, women and taking them hostage and, and then, like, cutting them up, I don't know if I got the full feel of, like, the scariness that that could have had to it. Um, did, did you feel like you got that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was meant to be scary. I think it was meant to be disturbing. And unsettling. And I mean, you see a lot of body parts. You see people eating the meat. Like, I don't think it's nothing on the gore scale. Sure. I, I guess disturbing. Like, uh, to, to me, I, I think the Steve and uh, Noah are so, like, charming that it, it like, kind of uh, defies the disturbing aspect of it. Did, did you feel that at all? Yes and no. Like, I feel like it does, but it simultaneously makes it more disturbing. It almost reminds me of, like, American Psycho or something. Like, oh. to have this... Like, charming, successful, like, smooth person committing these horrible atrocities. It's It makes it simultaneously more lighthearted and, and at the same time more disturbing to me. And yeah, they're both, like, the parallels there, too, is, like, they're both kind of, like, a baller. Like, Steve is very on top of life. He lives in a great house. And he's got uh-huh. this second home that's huge. Like, he's running on all cylinders, living the dream, has this side hustle that's, like, making tons of money. But, you know, it's terribly disturbing. And it's stuff like this, too, like, also makes me wonder what the movie had to say about, like, extreme wealth and success and its Mm -hmm. correlation to, like, possible psychopathic behavior. Again, because it really reminded me of Jeffrey Epstein. And yeah, it's just got me thinking about, is there some sort of correlation between having what it takes to become one of the richest people in the world and... Be being willing to like do anything or think that you're better or, yeah, I don't know. I I think there's some commentary here about that because he talks about yeah. the one percent of the one percent, and he has a quote where he's like, "I found a lot of people who are into this, and that's when my life finally made sense. It's about giving yourself over to somebody, becoming one forever. That's surrender. That's love, and it just mm-hmm. reminds me of how I could see like a modern." mega wealthy CEO saying something like this, that they are somehow living this like selfless life and they are giving and from just like this place of totally like out of touch ivory tower and and thinking that they're really God's gift, but really they're just motivated by their own greed. um, Totally. And have perceived it themselves as them being generous rather than greedy. And I kind of saw that in Steve. Interesting, like uh, like he's saving the world somehow or doing something really good for humanity. Right, right. Like saving the environment. Yeah. You should know the yeah. IRS might agree. I know, I know. <laughs> the IRS and the EPA might be on this. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that, that is a really interesting aspect. And it, it's cool to see that character who's like so rich. Uh, I, I'm like him and like whoever these people are who eat people. And, and that mentality of like you're so rich and beyond everything. And uh, you're just like kind of like in this small hole. And then her on the other end of the spectrum where she's just someone who's like really disillusioned with uh, dating online and is like looking for something real. And uh, the fact that like those two would connect like that, uh, I I think that that says something really interesting. 
um, of, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if there's like an intersection there between like those two types of people in, in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the whole commentary on love uh, is interesting cause yeah, he, he says that quote that this is what love is. And earlier in the film, I think she's saying like, she's over the idea of love, but then like she falls obviously in love with him. So, uh, I, yeah, I think there's some commentary on like what love means to different people maybe. Sure. Yeah. Um, obviously like there's the idea of, uh, people as like commodities or, uh, as like meat, right. Or like, uh, and then there's like some sexism issues here on how men treat women. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a good discussion about like treating people like meat, like, uh, El Schwabhaus commented that he's literally treating women like meat. And then Hina pointed out that the three women left standing at the end represent like boobs, ass and legs, which is like the epitome of men sexually treating women. Like meat is reducing them to those things, and our main character has her ass taken. Molly gets her boobs taken, and Penny had her legs taken. Oh man, I or totally leg, missed that. Which I didn't even catch that. So awesome yeah. catch, Hina. Yeah, damn, good one. So yeah, um, that just hits the parallel of women being pieces of meat even harder. So I thought that was really cool. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's awesome. Um, what about, uh, I felt like there were a few random storylines here that didn't go anywhere, like, uh, the bartender guy showing up and then like leaving. Um, what, uh, I didn't like that. I, I felt like, I I get it. I felt like that between that and the bitches like you were the problem. That's where I felt like the movie was starting to get a little too on the nose with its messaging. Like Mm -hmm. this man who like could have saved the day just cowards out and like runs away like i think that was there to serve the theme of the film of oh just uh, i don't want to say this film's like anti-dude but yeah because i hate to paint it with that brush i I think it has a lot of important stuff to say about misogyny and and dating and, and our culture and stuff but that that was maybe like one thing that just pushed it like a little too far to make the commentary a little too on the nose but mm, yeah. i uh i get the uh the motivation to leave that there and i'm not saying i have a huge beef with it but my, minor beef sure so that that's what it was it was kind of like showing like a a male perspective and what they might do like kind of come to this house realize that it's too dangerous and just go away i think so but it also gave molly a story arc too that she we know she's working hard to find out what happened to her friend and she cares and she's Working outside the law, which there might be some commentary on as well. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. And then um, with these other eaters, uh, so I, did you see the mid credit scene where you see like the five of them sitting around a table eating food? Yeah. And it almost looked like they were meant to be in some sort of little like shoebox or something. Oh, yeah. Right. Like packaged away. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I felt like that was kind of like a random thing. Like, who are these people? Like, why are we seeing them? Uh, throughout the film, uh, especially like when we know so little about them, like, did we need that? Yeah, I feel like that might have been a way to tie um, to like the priv- privileged men of the world, and like, like I was kind of talking about with CEOs who think they're God's gift and everything like that. Yeah. One interesting t- thing was that there was a goat symbol on one of the plates during that eating montage, mm-hmm. and I'm, it looked satanic, and I'm pretty sure it showed up again in the credits. I think you're right, yep. And I was kind of wondering why that was there. I was like, is this like a nod to QAnon conspiracies that there's like a secret liberal cabal of Satan worshippers out there? Oh. Like, 
Yeah. The QAnon theory is that they're pedophiles, but... Right, I, right. Yeah. Close. Yeah, interesting. Close. Yeah, that, that sounds familiar. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I wonder if that's like setting up for a sequel or something. Like, is this this group out there that's just like uber rich and also like satanic? Uh, yeah. And, and they just seem... Uh, yeah. I, but I yeah, that kind of almost that. seemed like shoved in because there wasn't any talk of Satanism at all right. elsewhere in the movie. So I was a little confused. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Be interesting to see if they do a, a part two there, but haven't heard anything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it sounds like there are a few moments that, which were kind of on the nose here. Uh, what else? Anything else jump out to you? Yeah, I guess on the, the on the nose topic, maybe I already mentioned this, but I feel like the offbeat tone of the movie and it not taking itself too seriously, even though the themes are very serious, I think that makes it feel less like it's shoving commentary down our throats because it's just mm. playful it's not really taking itself that seriously um it's right. just it's a way to sneak it in there a little less obviously to me right yeah yeah that definitely helps um there was some fun foreshadowing too that we haven't touched on oh yeah like what like well we already mentioned she was standing under a sign that said fresh meat mm-hmm. um at one point she asked can i get you something to drink or eat when he's at her apartment Mm-hmm. And he says, he says just, just you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, he never about, says he's a vegetarian. He just says he doesn't eat animals. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I, that's that's hilarious, right? Because I thought usually you say that if like you're trying to shame someone for eating meat. <laughs> right. Right. That's the way it came <laughs> off. Yeah. But it's a lot darker. That was good. Yeah. Any others? Um, there's a scene when she's leaving her first or her date. I think it's the date with that uh, loser dude from the beginning where she feels like she's being stalked in an alley. Yeah. And then she's relieved to find out that it's a man, uh, like, baby wearing. He's got a, right. his baby strapped to the front of him. I just thought that was, like, interesting, especially to me because I've been in a similar situation. Not in a similar situation, but I don't know. I feel like as a dude, if you're walking behind a woman, especially, like, if it's night or, like, you're hiking and it's, like, an isolated area, you're kind of, like, conscientious of it and try to fall way back or like take another route or something as the dude right yeah 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 but like if i have a baby strapped to me or i'm with my kids i no longer really feel that hyper awareness that i might be making somebody uncomfortable oh interesting so like it's it's less weird for me i'm just i feel like i can smile and say hi to a woman if my kids are with me you know you know, I have that same feeling uh, when I walk my dog at night. Yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah, it's it's like there's something about like it, it that like disarms people, and uh, suddenly like yeah, yeah, I'm surprised how safe uh, these kind of things make people feel. Right, and it just made me think about what that says, or like what we think and perceive about things like that. To mm-hmm. well, a, I'll put it out right that I'm making an assumption that women feel more comfortable if they see me with my baby. So. <laughs> If that's not true and women don't feel that way, you can all tell me to shut the fuck up. But it's just interesting to me because it's like, what do we feel about fatherhood that makes you less threatened by a dad? Are you less threatened because I'm the type of person who's chosen to become a father or that fatherhood has changed me or just that I wouldn't do anything with this kid here? Like, Mm -hmm. um, if, if, if people, if women feel less threatened at all if, if by me carrying a baby or being with my kids or you being with your dog. Right. So it's just kind of like interesting social stuff to think about. 
Yeah, I wonder if it's like some uh, brainwashing in media and stuff, because uh, like in horror films, rarely like is a father of a baby a, a, a villain, right? Sure, or, right. Uh, a guy walking a dog. And oh, you know, Steve the, has a family. Oh yeah, good. Yeah, good point. Yeah, oh, that's a good. That, this might change everything. Yeah. Uh, and then also there's the idea that um, how uh, quick, how you're, you're a little uh, less agile if you're holding a baby or walking a dog because that means like one of your hands is probably, uh, you know, already engaged or in, in use. That's true. So, it could be as simple as that. Could be. That, that's what, what my, my, my mind always jumps to. I'll but tell you yeah, what, though, it, I can carry those kids far as hell. <laughs> they don't know what they're <laughs> People what they're should be afraid of me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's good. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point, though, to, to, to call out in, in, in society. Um, anything else on the movie you want, you want to talk about? I don't think so, man. All right, cool. I thought uh, the direction you... and cinematography were great. I lied. There, I said that. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the direction and cinematography, yeah, some of those camera shots were great, and I think you pointed out earlier that the music was awesome, right? Yeah, I did. I loved the score. That was a highlight. Yeah, score was really great. Um, and I, I thought, yeah, these two performances, uh, did, did, you, did you like them both equally? Great. Yeah, I did. I liked them both. Great performances. All great, around, yeah. really. Right. And, and like a great chemistry between them. So yeah. good, good script writing. Actually, you know, I love Andrea Bang. Did you ever think it was, she was like a little too casual for someone who was imprisoned and being slowly eaten? She just like, always yeah. just sounded kind of like friendly I, I, her voice never yeah. sounded as desperate as i would have expected well that, that's kind of my beef like with a, the, a lot of the movies I, I don't feel like anyone sounds like as scared as they should be sure uh, like the, and i think that's like the tone of the movie like uh keeping it kind of cool and uh more kind of quirky or funny here and there or, or commenting or more self-aware um, yeah. but yeah especially with penny like you're right like she was like this kind of voice of reason next door right right yeah I think she was most hurt that she never got a chance to sleep with Steve. What? I thought that was the opposite, that like Noah was feeling so stupid that she slept with Steve and Penny oh. was like comforting her. Oh, I thought, oh, okay, okay. I thought like uh, she was like raving about Steve and Noah's like, hey, I can't believe I slept with him. And she's like, oh, you actually slept with him or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I uh, yeah, I, I thought that was framed as like, oh my God, I'm sorry, you actually slept with him. But yeah, right. Who right. knows? Okay. Yeah, Have you noticed right. how often we're calling our complaints beefs in this episode more so I than? <laughs> I know. We have to specify the type of meat now. It's disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you want to jump to the rating then? Yeah, let's do it. All right. How many medium rare cooked asses would you give this one? I give it four out of five medium rare cooked asses. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I really liked it, man. I. I some negatives, just feeling like it got a little on the nose at the end, and then, yeah, I totally, I didn't totally buy into Penny's character, but other mm-hmm. than that, I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. How cool. about you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up there with you. I was, I was between a three and a half and a four, but I think uh, uh, ultimately I went with the three and a half uh, medium rare cooked asses, uh, just because. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I was looking for a different movie here, but um, just with like all like the cannibalism stuff we've seen, I think uh, maybe dialing up the horror factor uh, would have been something I would love to see. But I, I don't think it is that type of movie. Um, so for what it did, I think it did it really well. But um, yeah, th- thought it could have been a, l- a little scarier. Like felt like I don't know. Were you ever scared for the main character? Um. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I was concerned for. Her. 
Yeah. Scared. I, acute fear, I don't think I felt. Okay. But yeah, I was just not that kind of movie. I, I've, I feel like I can pretty well not come into a movie with expectations. Boy, that's an awkward sentence. I feel like I'm getting good at not having any expectations when I come into a movie. Sure. But there's always, like, the movie you want to see, though, right? Hmm. Yeah, I guess maybe. Or, or is that, like, the same thing? Not having expectations versus watching a movie and being like, ah, oh, that was the movie I wanted. I think I'm just like, uh... I'll take it. After after two years of the pandemic, I just, I, I want nothing. I feel yeah. nothing. <laughs> I just want to turn off my brain for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you. Technically, this, this movie was great. Great acting, great cinematography, uh, good story and everything. So, uh, yeah, three, three and a half and a four. So three, 3.75 3. in between 3. us. 3.75. Cool. Hey, what is it like to not have an S? Like, what do you sit on then? Oh, man. I mean, it'd be extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, it's just like bone... Yeah, like you'd skin. be like right on your, right on your bone there. Hmm. Okay. Must, like your must hip and pelvic bones, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's I've never not had an ass. Otherwise, I'd give you a more intelligent answer. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll wait till you go. I sometimes wonder that. that about my kids, because, well, specifically my four-year-old, his butt is so skinny. Oh yeah. You're asking what it's like to have such a skinny <laughs> yeah. ass. Yeah. Hey, what's it like to not have an ass? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that must hurt. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So it's just like always sitting on like a very hard chair or something. I uh, yeah, I guess so. I'll ask him yeah. tomorrow and let you know. All right, sounds good. <laughs> all right. Well, you got anything else? I think that's all I got. All right. Well, that is it for our discussion on Fresh. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join in the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com. Or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also are on Discord, and we're chatting up with some other horror fans, so you can join us there. That link is on our website. Our logo is by AMA Pop Art, and uh, there's also some great Horror Movie Club merchandise on her site, so we recommend you check that out. Uh, and that's on Etsy.com. And until next time... If there's a guy creepily walking behind you at night, uh, just turn around and you'll see that it's Brian with the baby and you can tell him to back off if you're uncomfortable. <laughs> you'll understand. Is that a fake baby? <laughs> no. Are you, are you making those girling noises? <laughs> uh, that's a good idea. Walk around with a fake... Oh man, how creepy would that be? You could fart all the time and just blame it on the kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great idea. Great idea. Yeah, you can use that. Yeah, yeah. Remember the case one.